Welcome back, Beer Mile Nation. This is an extra special episode because I'm sitting down with Justin Grunewald in person in Silverton, Colorado. We recorded this the day before the Silverton Ultra Dirty 60-kilometer race, which Justin not only won, but ended up setting a course record in the process. And timing just worked out perfectly that I happened to be in the area, saw that he was going to be racing, and got to meet him and his partner, Amanda Basham, and get to know them a little bit, which was an absolute blast. Justin is preparing for his peak race here in a couple weeks at the UTMB CCC, a 100-kilometer race in Chamonix around Mont Blanc. And Justin has some big goals, looking to prove that he's one of the best mountain runners in the world and compete on the world stage. For anyone who doesn't know Justin Grunewald out there, he's a very busy man. He's a pro mountain and trail runner. He's now a father. He's a physician, as well as he is the chair of the Brave Light Gabe Foundation. After the passing of his wife, Gabrielle Grunewald, Justin really started hitting the trails hard. He now owns 24 FKTs. We dive into how he got started in trail and mountain running, what his current goals are, where he sees his running career going, and we get into what I would consider some superhuman level training on his part, balancing these long runs, time in the mountains with fatherhood and with being an ER physician where he works 7 to 10, 12 hour shifts in a row. And for our beer nerds out there, which I know is most of the people listening to this podcast, Justin is a self-proclaimed beer expert. He's got an expert palate when it comes to tasting hops and IPAs. So we nerd out on some beer and Justin also joins me this week in reviewing the beer of the week, a mountain lager from Scott Brewing. And we wouldn't be getting Justin's full story without talking about the Brave Light Gabe Foundation and his wife, Gabrielle Grunewald, who is a professional middle distance runner, a U.S. champion on the track, all while battling cancer. Justin gives us the deets on how the Brave Light Gabe Foundation got started, how serendipity in meeting Chip Gaines in Central Park led to Chip running a marathon and raising money to help provide funding for the Brave Light Gabe Foundation, and also... Justin has a pimped out van that was completely renovated by Chip and Joanna Gaines themselves. So we learn more about how all of that went down. Hope you enjoy this discussion with Justin Grunewald. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. We have a video version of this episode available on our YouTube channel, Beer Mile Media. And we would really appreciate if you could give us a five-star Apple podcast review. It really helps others find the show, helps us grow the show, and bring on new sponsors that can help support us as we travel around and have these discussions with top-notch guests. So sit back, crack a cold one, and enjoy this conversation with Justin Grunewald. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Beer Mile Podcast. We're sitting here in beautiful Silverton, Colorado, uh, with... Justin, I guess I should have asked your name before. Grunewald or Grunewald? Grunewald? Okay, perfect. You are racing tomorrow. You're racing a 60-kilometer race in preparation for the UMTB 100K in a couple of weeks. So how how are you feeling going into tomorrow's race? Honestly, really good. Um, I think uh, stuff's kind of clicked in training and have never felt better than the last month or so so i'm excited uh tomorrow's more of a walk through run with a full pack like rain gear garmin in reach like just the whole big backpack on your back but um with the ultra spire vest but um i'm excited and tomorrow's just more for fun and it's a laid back chill race and amanda and i've been looking for a reason to come to silverton and we found it that's perfect. What what does competition look like? How I, I didn't look up beforehand. How big is this race? What sort of caliber of athletes come to this one? I honestly have no clue. Um, Just, yeah, roll with the punches. Yeah, I actually am super excited because I downloaded the course on my watch because I've taken wrong turns at races. Yeah. So it'll beep at me if I go off course. <laughs> but um, 
I know there's a hundred mile that started a couple hours ago, then a hundred K tomorrow morning, then the 60 K. Um, it doesn't look huge. It's gone on, I think for three or four years, the golden one, dirty 30 as a race in golden. And then the race here, um, I know the golden ones are always competitive cause, um, Rocky mountain runners, they're just a bunch of kids and middle-aged people. And like, they just have a ton of talent. So if any of those guys show up, it'll be a a good race, but you just never know. And I saw today you ran for like an hour 40 ahead of it. So it seems like you're training through this to some extent in prep for the big, big event. Yeah. I mean, I think Amanda and I both ran speed go two weeks ago. I ran the short course, but the day before I went out with Tyler green, who is coming off his second place at Western. And he's like, you want to go for your jog? And I'm like, sure. I'm racing tomorrow. And it turned into like, a four, four and a half hour oh, hike, climb, scramble, lost. <laughs> I think we did like four or five K avert. I'm like, probably feel that one tomorrow. But it's like this beautiful day. And I like yeah. dearly love Tyler. So to get to spend four and a half hours in the mountains with him, I'd like skip the race the next day. And that's kind of my mentality. Like Amanda and I had her mom to babysit and we got to go spend two hours in Silverton. So yeah. Sure, it might like make my race two percent worse tomorrow, but so might anything else in the world. Exactly, very true. And you, and you can never predict how your body's going to feel right. anyway. And um, if you're happy going in, I think it'll make it two percent better. Exactly. Yeah. And so for for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you, you're a physician, pro pro runner for for Rabbit and Ultra as well, um, as well as the chair of the Brave Light Gabe Foundation. So. Mm-hmm. How, how has training been going, balancing all this? You travel back to Minneapolis to work your shifts. You're out in Boulder. Uh, how, how, how prepared are you feeling for, well, specifically the CCC, I guess, here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, weirdly, I've gotten to this happy place of running in mid-June where a lot of, I was feeling a lot of stress. I'm like, I'm aging my clock is running out. I need to win every race. I need to break every course record. And then that's like not the reason, aside from maybe Jim Walmsley, who is superhuman, talented, right, phenomenal, and can run 200 mile weeks. But aside from him, no one, and he doesn't even need to feel that pressure. Like he's just great, but you shouldn't be doing it for those reasons. And Gabriel passed away June 11th. Her birthday is June 25th. And it was this weird 14 day period where, I just came to peace with everything. And Amanda's like, what's your goal for CCC? And I'm like, just hang out in like the top 20 for 80K mm-hmm. and then pick people off. And she's like, you gotta be kidding. Like if you're outside of like the top five, you're jogging. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay to jog. Because I realized looking back at all my races that have been long, like Black Canyon, I got to... I think 20 miles, I was probably in 20th place. At Mm -hmm. 40 miles, I was picking people off like they were dying on the side of the road. And I think I moved up into third place at 45 miles. And then my GI track went to hell (laughs) and stopped for like an hour. But I was just getting too excited between like mile 40 and 45 when everyone's coming back. Right. And just running a little harder than I needed to. Whereas if I would have just kept that 100K shuffle, I could have won or finished second or whatever could have happened. Right. But in these races, it's all, as you'll find out at Pikes Peak, Yeah. you got to gauge everything in. Like a road marathon, 
you want to go run 510, 520 mile for 26 miles. Here, you run a 15-minute mile. That mm-hmm. might be the fastest mile out of anyone in the field. But as soon as you go lactic or the point of no return, it's right. over. Right. It's Yeah, it is so different. And, like, it's funny, like, doing a marathon, Pikes Peak Marathon, I'm like, I'm going to be out there for probably double the time that I am for the road marathon. And it's just, and it is so weird. You're going to run some 15 minute miles at the top and then maybe blitz some 530s on the way down. It's going to be all over the place. Or 430s with your speed. Yeah, and it, well, hopefully, we'll see. We'll see if I can. That's, I hope so, yeah. I'm hoping I can gain it on the downhill because I don't think I can climb like some of those guys. But uh, um, so I guess going back a, a little bit then a few years, getting into trail and, and mountain running, like was that part of, you're growing up at all, or was that something you kind of found later in life and really got into in these past couple of years? Yeah, it's again, it's like weird or not weird, but I was married, or I don't say was like I am married to Gabriel. She passed away. Right, I don't think right. that like like Amanda's my partner now. I plan to marry her. Like all that stuff aside. Sorry, big announcement to Amanda. But um, <laughs> no, so Gabriel was a track athlete. I was yep. in medical school and residency into like go spend five hours on the trail isn't going to happen very often, especially in Minneapolis. And I loved running with her. Like, so we just go hammer short stuff on the track, 400s, miles, 100s. And we kind of had this agreement that her last hurrah was going to be 2020, like health willing, all that stuff. She'd gotten fourth at the 2012 trials, just missed the team. 2016, she made the final with a cantaloupe-sized tumor in her liver that we didn't know about and then had this big surgery. But the goal was give 2020 hell and then all at 35 start my trail career. I like dabbled in it before then, ran some like 50Ks, did some stuff. But I really, in a different scenario, would have been on the trails 15 years ago, but, um, I wouldn't ever give back a meter. I ran with Gabriel on the track to go get time in the mountains, but now I get to experience it and it's a little more new. And I think my trail legs are a little younger and a little fresher. So like I clear, like not clearly, I have a lot of speed from her kicking my butter on the track and that helps on descents. Absolutely. I love climbing too. So it's all fun now. Yeah. I mean, you got to have speed. If you want to run fast on any distance, you got to have speed. And so that's huge. And then, yeah, maybe the little bit of freshness in the legs. I mean, you were still, how how much were you running during med school? Like miles per week? Were you you still running a (laughs) good zero to a (laughs) hundred? Okay. A little roller coaster action going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the (laughs) highest rate of DNFing races in my lifetime. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in, in 2020 specifically, you set a ton of FKTs. I was looking at the uh, Fast Stone Time website a little bit, and I think you have like 24 on there now, which is pretty nuts. Amanda has as four of them as well. And uh, so w- I guess, was that motivation partly that you were kind of new, I guess, newer getting into trail running as well as then the pandemic. Cause I, I think you were also signed up for a couple of races that maybe didn't happen too. So what, what kind of motivated you to switch from the the racing to, I'm going to just go out there and crush some FKTs every other week. Yeah. 2020 was really a year. I hope to hammer like a 50 K or a hundred K every other month, like as long as your body allows it and just yeah. learn the sport and that didn't happen because the pandemic and uh, a lot of it came down to like, I drive Amanda kind of crazy, but some of it was boredom. Some of it was like 
assholeism. I'd call <laughs> like Andy Wacker. I've never met him. I don't think, but we like are both in Boulder a lot. He's a great mountain runner. Yeah, yeah. But like he takes like all my FKTs. But <laughs> I was running with a couple friends one morning. We we're talking about FKTs and junk. And there's this one that's a mile uphill. Okay. It's called Lick Skillet Road. Lick Skillet. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. So Kyle Piatari has the downhill. You should go for it. It's like three thirty nine. Holy moly! What's the what's the elevation drop in that? It's the, so it's the highest grade mile in America, I think, for okay. a road. Okay. But it's like down nine hundred feet. <sighs> okay. So that'll that's a quad killer. Yeah, but... I ran after I did the uphill. I think I ran like three forty six on the downhill. So you could totally crush it. <laughs> we'll see. Well, but I don't know. We'll see. You that's don't moving walk though. for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> but so I went and got this uphill one. Some a guy in Boulder had it, and then I think the Boulder guys like talked Andy into going and taking it from me. And like I'd gone on like an easy twelve mile, ten mile run with some friends on like this dirty Bismarck loop in the morning. Got home, took a nap, woke up to like what O's on my Strava, and it's like Andy Wacker is taking <laughs> your like skill mile. So I like text Amanda, and I'm like, Amanda, you're driving me over to like Skillet. Like she was We're like, going again. I think she was at like a OB appointment, and she's like, "You're a psychopath." I'm like, "Yeah, I am." So went and like nabbed it back from him, but it like makes your lungs bleed. Yeah, it's not I, fun, and know. it finishes at like nine thousand feet. But a lot of them were just Amanda had prescribed me a workout, and I'm like, "Where's an FKT within an hour?" And then some of it, like I said. My favorite thing about trail running is seeing new places. Mm -hmm. So we have a van and we're going on a trip and it's like, oh, there's an FKT there. Like that can be my morning run. So a lot of them are like soft times. Like people could go crush them, but I'm like, that just sounds like a really pretty trail. And I love um, climbing mountains and getting to the top of an area and you can see everything. So the main motivation was just to like see places. Yeah, absolutely. And one that I really liked that you did was on, on the Nepali co- coast oh. in Kauai. So we, that was where our honeymoon spot oh, was. That's awesome. And it's absolutely gorgeous. We actually, we tried to hike, uh, Kalalao Trail. I don't know how you say it exactly, but we, we we hiked on it a couple. Did we? Just, I think we just attempted one time, but we got permits basically for the week, and it was just raining nonstop every day. And so we uh, ended up just calling it because we got to the point where you cross the water, and it the, it was just rising as we were going out already because it's just nonstop rain. So we didn't get to do the whole thing, but that is absolutely like the most gorgeous coast scenery uh, uh, in general. And so that's that's one that. Yeah, tell tell us a little bit about how that FKT went, and especially I know you uh, did it with Amanda a few days kind before, of kind of with Amanda, and struggled on that day, oh, and yeah. then came back, rebounded pretty well to take the men's crown yourself. Yeah, that one was that was a journey, that was a um, experience. But Billy Yang, one of our good friends, he had kind of worked on this thing with Sufferfest where they wanted to do some stories and they ended up helping budget like a trip over there and he picked the FKT. I was going in kind of blind and then I like Google it and it's like outside magazine calls this one of the top five most dangerous trails in the world. Yep. Yep. I'm like, thanks Billy. Like <laughs> you just want this like dramatic film where I die. Yeah. <laughs> but 
then we read about it and we're like, oh, odds are we're not going to be able to do it because this river and all that stuff yeah. and all these permitting. But had great weather. And this was literally the first time Amanda and I had ever hung out mm-hmm. on this trip. Like we get to LA. Oh, okay. Yeah. We met at Bandera, Texas, didn't really hang out. Then we fly into LA, get dinner with Billy, go to a brewery, Monkish, one of my favorites, fly to Kauai do like an easy run, then she's going to do it the next day. And it's like, looks like it's good That's weather. Nice. Yeah. Let's go. And of course, in my stowaway bag, I pack a whole bunch of monkish and drink like three or four the night before. <laughs> I'm going on this like arduous run with her. And I had a bladder and like a handheld. She had a handheld. We didn't have nearly enough water. So I like saved all my water, gave her all my water. Yeah. Got to the 11 mile turnaround. And I've never been cramping like that in my life. I like couldn't take a step. Yeah. And I'd sweat so profusely that I was like, go ahead. And I just like laid down on a rock. And I like didn't think I was going to get out. There's like some helicopter pickup right, spots. Right. So I was like, if you feel up to it, like come back. And she's like, no, I'm staying with you. And I'm like, dude, I'm not like ruining your FKT because I like didn't drink enough water. Right. Right. But she ended up, which I ended up doing too, but just like dunking her handheld in streams because it's all relatively clean water because she was bonking hard yeah. and so dehydrated. But I woke up from my nap, probably like 15 minutes, projectile vomited <laughs> and like couldn't move. So yeah. I was just like laying there and I was like, well, like this would be a beautiful place to die. <laughs> <laughs> like dramatic, you're just dramatic. Of course, yeah. And yeah. I like opened my eyes and there's literally an orange tree right in front of me. And I'm like, oh my God gosh like that's incredible so i like have my handheld like one of these bottles i'm chucking it at the oranges <laughs> to knocking get them, to drop. them down yeah, and yeah. eating them oh that literally like saved me sugar and water yeah. yeah i but i like hiked out i think it took me like eight hours <laughs> and they were like neither of them came amanda felt so miserable after yeah and billy bless his heart he's just a bum he wasn't gonna come search for me <laughs> so i get done with this horrible experience and He's like, so you're still going to do it, right? In two days. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like praying for like torrential downpours so I can't do it. <laughs> and it rained really hard that night. Yeah, yeah. And got like washed out that day, but the water was low enough to cross the next day when I was going to do right. it. So it was like muddy and soupy, but one of those weird runs where you feel great the whole way. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, I was on crawler's ledge and there were a whole bunch of whales right down oh, in the water. So cool. yeah. And I'm like dude, this day is meant to be. And yeah. at 11 miles, there's this beautiful waterfall that just okay. comes down yeah. sheer rock. And you're just like so hot and thirsty. You're just like drowning yourself <laughs> in it. But it was great. And like, that's, it was like very rapid and fast, but I totally like fell in love with Amanda that trip. And yeah, it's been like, there's been, there's obviously always sprinkled in sadness and I miss Gabriel dearly, but my life's been so much happier and better since meeting her that that i like we'll probably do our honeymoon there too yeah drag each other oh, around the kalala one more time it's a great it's a great spot yeah. and yeah chalk up i guess chalk up that uh run with her where she's at the fkt as you know you're just scouting exactly. scouting the route a little bit and dropping from eight hours that time to <laughs> exactly. sub four the next time doing exactly. it like 340 or whatever so <laughs> it was fun that's awesome so i uh going into this uh 100k race here and it's like twenty thousand feet of vert uh you know it'll, it'll, i'm 
I, I was looking at the course map of it because I I heard of UTMB races and I uh, was looking at the map. I was just like, man, that's got to be the most scenic thing ever because I've I've been in the Swiss Alps for a few days mm. and that's it in my life. But it's like the most gorgeous place I've ever been. So I can only imagine like running around Mont Blanc and like the different countries that you're passing through and all of that is going to be amazing. So is this uh, like... I, I guess partly, you know, you kind of talked about it a little bit already, the goals for this race, really to have fun with it and just kind of see what you can do. But is this this your first time over there? And uh, yeah, what what do you have any other specific goals or placings or anything that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, this is first trip to UTMB itself. Um, been over to Europe a couple of times. Actually, right after Gabriel passed, I kind of just actually went to Aspen for a little while and then bolted to Europe um, Monaco has a big track race there yep, yep. and they dedicated their women's mile to her. So it was like the Gabriel Grunewald Brave Lake Gabe mile mm-hmm. and Safan Hassan set the world record. I remember so that. I got like a yep. front stage seat there, but I extended that trip and actually ran my first mountain race ever in Austria. Okay. This beautiful town called Ischgl. Um, it was a mountain marathon and you basically run straight up like three, thousand three hundred meters and straight down so you like peek out this mountain called it's in the silvretta range and then down the other side so not knowing at all what i was getting into that's nuts yeah i'm a good climber so i was like if i can put like 20 minutes on everyone by the descent they're all way better european descenders so i just bombed up it and ate it hard twice on the way down. I actually dislocated my thumb on the way down, oh, no. but I won narrowly because they're all like just chasing on the descent. Right, right. But um, it was a great, fun experience. And the town, like everyone was so warm and welcoming. It's just like classic European mountain race. Right, So right. Um, that was my first. But CCC, I mean, I say I want to be top 20. I secretly want to win. Like, Of course. I look at the list like, I don't even think I made the Iron Fire list, which it'll be news to them if they find me exactly, on the podium. Yeah, nothing wrong with an underdog story. So there's no one on that list that I can't beat. Like, there's a few European variables that I'm like, that guy has some accolades. But um, the Americans are, there's some good Americans in it. And a lot of them are coming off Western states. And 100 miles does a lot of damage to the legs. So yeah. I'll be coming in a lot fresher and the biggest part is I just want to have fun out there. Course, so, yeah. like, if I won, I'd be stoked. If I got 20th place, I'd be stoked. For, like, sponsors and that stuff, I want to win because mm-hmm. they support me. Yep. They help us get over there. Like, they deserve it for giving right. that support. Right. But myself, like, selfishly, I'm just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, just going through the motions. Like, I'm going to give it hell. Oh, yeah. But, um... I'll be in a good place either way. Right. And, and part of giving it hell is to be smart and patient yeah. during the race too. It's a long race. Right. So does this lead then, are you, are you looking forward to like, I want to do even longer races like hundred mile or 200 mile. Is that on your uh, radar? Are you, uh, I don't know, sticking in maybe the hundred K distance, 50 K distance. What, where's your head at like longer term? I think like from a comfort and talent standpoint, 50 K is like a great distance for me. Cause I can, grind but from like a experience standpoint it's definitely a hundred mile like yeah yeah i'll go after a golden ticket race again i think we've already pegged tarawara in okay. new zealand that just got it it was super weird i like a week ago i'm like a oh, man i'm gonna run tarawara 
And then like the next day they announced it was a golden ticket race. So blindly, but we had just had this long conversation that this was going to be her year for Western yeah. and I was going to do Leadville. Okay. But then like, it's like Western is forcing me to want to run it by like doing that and I'll run Western state, but the only way I'm going to run it is via a golden ticket and they mm-hmm. get more competitive each year. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't deter me any. Right. And so, so Amanda's your coach? Kind of, or are I you consider are you... her my coach? I technically, she'll say, not. It sounds horrible. I like fired her on Mother's Day. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> so, I went to. That was when I like realized I was just like doing things for the wrong reason. I went out to American River, this fifty mile race. It's iconic. I got to uh, twenty five miles, and took a wrong turn. Okay. Like, I. I was feeling great. And like a lead of 25 miles means nothing, but I think I had like a five to eight minute lead. I got to this point where they were supposed to flip an arrow around and the person that was driving to that arrow got in a car accident. So the arrow wasn't flipped. So I just followed it to the left where it said, but I was supposed to go right. So went up this long climb for three miles. All of a sudden the race director screaming at me from her SUV. And I was like way back into like eighth place because no one else missed the turn. And Ran like hell, made it up into third place, but skipped aid stations, and you can't do that. Like, if I kept my cool, I could have still won, but I just blew a gasket. Right, And she told me 100% appropriately, if you would have kept your cool, you would have won. Like, those guys walked it in. You could have, like, jogged and won. Right. But I was like, I don't want to hear that right now. Like... (laughs) <laughs> and I and then I was like I don't ever want to be like mad at you for my shortcomings in running and my mistakes so like I love you mm-hmm. and I don't want it to ever get between that so right, right. we should just I'll just do my own thing and jog around for a while because I also don't want to waste your time like she puts a lot of effort and time into coaching she coaches like 10 people yeah. and every night she's on her computer for an hour looking at all their training peak stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm not performing well enough for you to even coach me. Like, I can't afford you. <laughs> so I'm just going to go jog around the mountains until I find happiness. Yeah. Just go go hammer an FKT every few days and call it a workout. Right. That's, that's the way to do it. Exactly. I've, I've actually always kind of wondered that because especially watching the Olympics, it kind of renewed that like for me, realizing that so many athletes are coached by a spouse or a parent or whatever. Yeah. And it's, I've always wondered what that dynamic is like of like, I'm, I'm your coach right now. I need to be hard on you, but then I'm like your partner an hour later and I need to say, Hey, let's go have a beer. Right. It's like a, I don't know. It's an interesting balance, but. And it, I asked her, I'm like, will you coach me again? And she's like, no, <laughs> I'm like, it's probably good. <laughs> She oh, like, <laughs> she doesn't coach me, but she does by like, we run together once or twice a week. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to go run 30 miles. She's like, yeah, that sounds good. Or else she's like, you're a moron. Like you're running <laughs> a 60 K in a day. Right. So, so does she coach herself then? Yeah. She does. Okay. Yeah. That's like literally after Bandera, I'm like, Amanda Bash, I'm like, seems like a rock star and like a really good person. Mm-hmm. So Mario Fraioli coached me for a right. couple of years. Yeah, I know Mario. Who yeah. I love dearly. And I actually, I didn't fire him for any coaching shortcomings, but I was like, Mario, like when Gabriel passed away, 
you came and like lived with me for a week and it was the same scenario with Amanda. I'm like, I don't want to like have a bad race and be like, screw off. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and like, you're just too valuable for me that like coaching, it's not easy. Like they're all like do phenomenal jobs, but like to go to coach trail running is incredibly hard. Like, yeah. how are you going to tell someone to go get 2,000 feet of vert out here? Like, you could go on one trail and you might get 2,000 feet in two miles. Exactly, exactly. It's like, especially like a remote coach, it's yeah. like impossible because every day is weather dependent. Yeah. It's what you have access to dependent totally. as well. So and with yeah. my life, you throw in like a 90-hour work week every third week. Like, right. how do you coach that? <laughs> yeah, easy running that week right. and then kill yourself hammer, the next hammer. two weeks. Just right. hammer it. So, and... <laughs> I just saw her accolades. I was like fourth at Western States, second at CCC, like all these races I want to run yeah, and do well at. Yeah. So I texted her and I'm like, who coaches you? And she's like, I do. And I half thought like David Roche was going to be her coach or someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you do. Do you want to coach me? <laughs> she's like, let me think about it. It's It seems to be working pretty well for her yeah. so far. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, and she clearly. was a great coach for me too. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. in the best shape of my life. Um, but she just yeah she knows stuff and she's lived through it exactly exactly so how does the then fatherhood and motherhood dynamic play into it it seems like uh she's bounced back really quickly you know uh back into running back into training running the speed goat 50k so yeah how have you both handled uh having a child i mean it's been like amazingly great and like there's no, it doesn't make training easier. It doesn't like <laughs> allow you to go spend 12 hours in the mountains, but the happiness level that it gives me on a daily basis is worth way more than like getting lost in the mountain for 12 hours. Right. And I always feel like I have to play catch up because I'm gone for a week and she works her butt off. Like momming ain't easy. Like yeah. daddy yeah. isn't easy yeah. either. So like I try to like take Rylan for a good seven straight nights or however much she'll let me. She's also very stubborn. So she's like, no, every other night. And I'm like, dude, you just took seven nights. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. let me make it up and then we'll go every other. But she does 80% of the parenting. And I think it's probably been good because she did need to, she's also crazy. Like she, the day after she gave birth, she's like, I'll go for a 30 mile run. And I'm like, <laughs> your like, uterus is going to fall out. <laughs> she's not that crazy. But she pushes it, but she listened yeah. to her body like really well. She's like, someone feels weird in my lower abdomen. I'm going to take a few days off. Right. And yeah. I think being open with your life, I think is both useful, but it's hard because mm-hmm. you'll be getting like all these opinions. People are like, you can't be running that. Like you, and it's like, I'm li- like, I'm listening to my doctor. I'm listening to my body. Exactly. Like that's your opinion. Like right. you're not me and you haven't studied my physiology or anatomy right maybe i'm going to a pelvic floor therapist maybe i'm doing this but just like so many people are so fast to like tell you what you can and can't do so that's i think that was a little hard on her just because that's hard on anyone Mm -hmm. and like that's the hardness about being in a social media world it is but um she's been a champion and she's a great mom and yeah yeah it's great to see. Yeah, great to see her back grinding. So is she, is she racing as well? She's in not. Shelton? She's going to get in a nice long day in the mountains. Um, it just so happened we were both going to do long at speed goat, and then we'd just be training through. But coming off work and having the kid variable, she went long at speed goat. I went a little shorter, and yeah. then just picked this up. Ultra is, I think, the premier sponsor of this race. So, like, I feel like I owe them 
tons. So I'm like, I'm happy to come race and try to win and yeah. rep the brand. Yeah. Um, so it's weird. You like in like, I'm a physician, so I don't necessarily need to be a professional runner, but it's very nice to like have the support of a company and right. you grow this community with the company and I just want to like represent them and do well. And like rabbit Jill and Monica, the owners, mm -hmm. they're so supportive and they're like, we don't care how you do. Like, we just want you to enjoy it, which exactly. means so much. So just trying to do good for them. Yeah. It seems, at least from my perspective, it seems like the ultra community and like sponsors in general, it's, it's a lot more laid back, more, more community based versus it seems very cutthroat on the track, uh, based on everyone that we've had on this podcast, it is very like pressure driven each year to race a certain number of times, hit certain places, hit certain time, uh, you know, times on the track, et cetera. So it, would, would you say that as well from your perspective? It is like more like ultra running, I guess, both the community of like at the races, communities more laid back, more supportive of each other, but then also sponsors too. Does it seem like that's the case? Yes. And no, um, I mean, I don't want to like hate on any brands or throw anyone under the bus, right, but of course there are specific heavy track brands. I have some really good, like Gabriel around the track circuit forever. I have great friends, like running the Olympics, running the U.S. championships. And a lot of them got a lot of nice hefty reduction clauses. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. Which some brands have gotten away from that. Like Brooks was wonderful to Gabriel throughout. I don't, contracts change over time. Like yeah. leadership changes over time. A lot of companies want you to race. And if you don't race, they want you to fill in with events and things like yep. that. Yep. Which I'd say are way harder than a race. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. It's very brand based and ultra is a very like hearty family brand. And I think there's a lot of those, like seeing what Adidas has done, like watching their whole crew in Chamonix already. And I think North Face, like a lot of these brands are really community based and inspired. And um, I'm super grateful to Ultra because they want to like share Amanda and my story and mm -hmm. support us. And like the biggest thing is like you make a shoe, like just make a good shoe. Yep. And I think Alter does that. Yep. Like my feet have never been happier. And I've toyed around with so many trail shoes because I was free to wear whatever I wanted. Yeah. And at the end of the day, to be sponsored by someone, if you can't run in their shoe, there's no point in being exactly. sponsored. Exactly. So yeah. So for the shoe nerds out there, what shoe are you going to be racing in? So. Tomorrow I'll do the Lone Peak. Okay. Um, I think it's the fifth rendition. It's super cozy and has my biggest issue with a lot of trail shoes is like rock plate. Yeah, um, right, right. Silverton, the San Juans, lots of jagged rocks. Mm -hmm. I actually wore a little too thin of a, if like the Superior is like more of a minimalist ultra shoe. And if you wear that on some sharp rock, granted there's a rock plate insert, which I didn't have in, so it's my own stupidity but that kind of beat my feet up. So the lone peak has really made my feet feel great. So yeah. I'll probably do those at CCC too. 
Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I've been running. I've actually been rotating, trying a bunch of different. Because it's my first summer doing yeah. trail stuff, and the the Tim Twos, I've actually just been loving. I love they, those too. Yeah. I, I I do have a more. I don't know. I grew up like my parents just let me roam barefoot and all that sort of stuff. So I think I have a little bit wider foot. Yep. And so the the in ultra in general, but specifically the Tim Twos, just feel like super. Yeah. I've never blistered being yep. in them for eight hours. They feel amazing. And so I don't know. I'm debating. Would if you were to recommend a shoe for me to wear for Pikes Peak, Tim Two, the Tim is uh, yeah. a good go to for that. Yeah. Two. Uh, I guess there's a three out now as well. I, the two's I'm, better. Two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like hate on the three or say anything bad, but. There's just been a little, they changed a few things with the three. I'm like trying to stockpile the two. Okay. Um, Cause yeah. that's, I don't want like, again, with the brand stuff, the Lone Peak, I can totally, I love the Tim two. Like, so part of me wants to run in that at CCC, yeah. but I should run in like the newest shoe and the Lone right. Peak is very comfortable and cruisy. Like if you haven't tried that, you could totally I haven't, do that. Yeah. I'll you could try it. that there too. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly how there is like some technical terrain on pikes it's not as yeah. rocky it's a lot more dirt but some of the yeah. rocky stuff the lone peak is really nice on okay yeah there will, there will be a couple sections for sure so okay let's have a little fun what let predict my pikes peak marathon time okay i've never and i'll give you some i'll give you some like metrics maybe to go off of here so i've never done a trail race but I, I will say I was not bad at cross country growing up. So I feel like I'm pretty good on the downhills this summer specifically. So, okay. Chicago for the last six years, zero elevation gain, but this summer I'm probably averaging 20 to 30 K a week and maybe running like 40 miles, hiking 50 miles a week, okay. I would say, give or take in uh, road marathon PRs two twenty four. So do we, yeah. What, what do we think? Like winning time is usually like three thirty plus or minus five minutes, give yeah. or take, you know, uh, I, I, I have no idea what I should even be expecting on this. Uh, but yeah, curious, curious if you have any sort of, uh, prediction how much here. technical descending have you done? I think that might actually be my forte. I think I'm a better descender than climber. I'm yeah. pretty, uh, I careless, yeah. I guess you could say, I, I'm not afraid to fall a few times on the way down. Um, I mean, if you can descend on that course, the climb it, is uh, like if Joe Gray shows up, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is what it is. Like, I know Seth Demore is going to be there. He's going to, like, at, on the ascent, I mean, it's like, can I stay within 20 minutes of him? Yeah. 30, you know what I mean? I don't even know what the, the number is. he's a decent is, descender, but, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, right, I think definitely breaking four. That's uh, I, that's okay. I mean. That's kind of what my goal actually was, was shooting for that four-ish hour. And that's mark. a really good time. But if you can get to the top and have legs, because, like, you can screw your descent. Of course. Yeah. Like if you're yeah, yeah. jello legged at the top. Yeah. And my, from my own experience doing like stupid ascent, descent FKTs, try to get calories on the way up. Okay. Like it's way harder to eat, in my opinion, climbing just because your heart rate's higher, yep. you're breathing harder. Yep. But if you can get in, even, I don't know, like I love this like stupid spring awesome sauce. They're like, it tastes yeah, like. Yeah apple pie but it's 180 calories like if you could get that in one halfway up and like one at the top i feel like you'd be golden for the whole way or something and it all depends on how many calories you like take in but you could definitely break four and if you can descend hard you could break 350 and get i mean if you can run 224 i like not everything's perfectly carryoverable and i feel like i'm a road guy that just like keeps slamming my head against the wall 
But if you look at Jim Walmsley's career, mm-hmm. he's phenomenal, like incredible. But his first few races weren't beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just don't be deterred if it, like, you can also, being a careless descender, break your collarbone on the of way. Course, I don't like, of not course. Kind of, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> they're like, careless descending super fun. Yeah. And yep. scary and crazy. Yep. yep. <laughs> but um, you, if you can run 224, you can do some damage on that course. Just, the, I don't, I mean, if you can, it's coming up in three weeks. Yeah, it's like two and a half. Actually, just oh, over two weeks two now. Weeks. It's like two weekends from oh, Sunday. Yeah, or two weeks from Sunday. Yeah. If I talked to you three <laughs> weeks ago, I'd tell you to just drive up there and like take the thing, drive up and just bomb down. Bomb and down it, yeah. Just for the, yeah. Ex- just because descending too is an experience thing. Mm-hmm. Like we have Green Mountain and Boulder. Yeah. Which yeah. is very technical descending. But every time I go down it, I'm 30 seconds faster because I my muscle memory, like just someone knows. who played ball sports, like, I know exactly where to put my foot on yeah. that rock yeah. and I know what's coming next. Yep. And like some guys can run down that with their eyes shut. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's, that's probably the one thing I didn't do as well as like, if I were really trying to maximize this, it yeah. would be like seeing the course more. I've done Pikes Peak maybe three or four times in my life. So yeah. I've like seen it, but, uh, it's but, good that you have seen it. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like, I kind of know what know, to like, expect, but at 20 miles, there's this super funky rock that yeah. you want to like <laughs> yeah. be in control. Otherwise you might just eat it exactly and yeah i've definitely fall like my my biggest thing that i'm i hope doesn't happen in the race is like every time i try to go super hard on an ascent descent i've like i've done a couple uh like i tried to see if i could beat set the moore's fkt on mount beer stat oh, yeah. on the ascent and i was like uh six i was six minutes behind him okay um but but then on the descent it's like i was so tired that yeah. i just start tripping over things that i normally wouldn't trip over and yep. fell fell a couple of times and i was like oh, i think that's I like really gotta like brain focus, glucogen gotta fo- like, yeah. yeah get the calories on the way yeah. up and then focus on yep. the way down is big so yeah. oh i've yeah. gone to the top where i like can't see straight because i went so hard and then i just like <laughs> end up sitting up there for half an hour <laughs> that could that could very well happen too who knows <laughs> yeah it's yeah it'll it'll be fun i'm excited for it and I, I don't know. It's kind of nice to go into a race with no expectations, I guess. Just totally. like, let's, you'll, let's see what we great. can do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about you being the chair of Brave Like oh, Gabe yeah. Foundation. Uh, so how, you, it looks like you have a, a quite a big team working, working with the Brave Like Gabe Foundation now. So maybe tell us, let, let's start. How about this? Let's start with the origin story to some extent. Uh, so how did, how did this idea come about? And then maybe tell the listeners that haven't heard uh, about the story of meeting Chip Gaines <laughs> as well in uh, Central Park. Yeah. So kind of long, medium story, as short as I can make it. Gabriel Grunwald, my wife, had a rare cancer, adenoid cystic carcinoma. She was diagnosed in 2009, I believe. But we were both in college at the University of Minnesota. She Googled it. We both Googled it. You should never Google things, although the doctors weren't a ton more helpful because there was just no data on it. But there were zero clinical trials, zero approved treatments, zero anything for this cancer. And five-year survival looked good. Ten-year survival didn't look good. She ran professionally, was a world beater, 10th mm-hmm. fastest American at the time when she left the sport. But later in life, after the 2016 trials, probably 20, she had this big tumor in her liver, then started some chemo, then a clinical trial. And when she was doing her clinical trial, she's still running, getting fitter, getting faster, crushing workouts. But she's like, it's just not for sure sustainable. So I want to find something else. So she decided to start the Brave Like Gabe Foundation. And 
whether you believe in whatever you believe in, things happening by chance or things happening. Serendipity. Yeah. 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 But we're in New York. She's on a clinical trial. She had just ended the clinical trial, meaning like her tumors were still growing on this dual immunotherapy treatment, which we'd go there every other week for six months. It was like very taxing. I was in residency or had just finished residency. I don't even know the exact timeline, but I was starting to kind of train for ultras because she was like, you should run more. And I'm like, okay. So Central Park is this 10K loop essentially. Mm -hmm. So I go out, do my first 10K loop. Then I'm going to grab her, do our 10K loop together. She was just having an easy day. Finishing my loop, I'm at the corner by where we stay. And there's this guy sitting on a bench and he yells at me. He's like, you look fast. And I'm like, thanks Central Park guy. Like, keep running. (laughs) He's like, how long would it take a fat ass like me to run a marathon? And I'm like, do you mean like years or minutes or like, he's like, how long to train? And I, he claims I just like raised four fingers and ran away, but I'm like four months. Like I think anyone that's capable could probably train for a marathon in four months. So I grabbed Gabriel, she's waiting for her wash to get satellites. We're standing there and this guy yells at me again. He's like, Hey, it's the fast guy again. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Just like, guy in cowboy boots and a suit and she's like chip and i'm like oh like literally in my head i'm like he's a fan of yours or he like follows you on instagram so he's like toying with me she's like you know chip like i made you make you watch hgtv fixer upper and i'm like that's like when i'm like having a beer after we're completely zoned out but he talks he's like it's an incredible scar. We take a picture together. She Instagrams it. He like follows her, reads her story. And he's like, I asked your husband, like how long for me to run a marathon? I want to run a marathon. I want you to coach me. I want to put on a marathon in Waco and I want to give you all the money. That's insane. And she's like, wow. Like, and then that was the bigger version of the Kickstarter to get brave. Like Gabe foundation going, he handed her, I think, a jumbo check with $250,000 to the Brave Like Gabe Foundation. It's a very nice seed funding. At that yeah. time, it was, I was obviously a supporter of the foundation, but her, her friend Emily and Sam, they were like the president, the vice president and the secretary or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they got all the 501c3 paperwork, all that. So they volunteered their time for however much time Gabriel had had left, put on a couple 5Ks, kept raising money. Yeah. Um, she passed. They asked me to be the chair. So then it was myself, Sam and Emily, and they're both incredible people. We both like, obviously the foundation, which it's great that like people are reactive to this like super healthy, beautiful, phenomenal person passing away young. Cause mm-hmm. I think it makes it real for everyone else. Right. But, um, the day she passed, Chip, said whatever got raised he was gonna like match it to St. Jude's and match it to the foundation and like he ended up like matching like 1.5 million dollars to each like yeah um which what a hell of a send-off to heaven seriously Um, seriously so it's kept going we've hired an executive director which is amazing Alicia's phenomenal so we have one paid staff and then we've expanded our board kind of to touch on areas like 
marketing and mm-hmm. like I don't know what my contributions are always <laughs> other than like I know Gabriel's voice and I do know medicine yeah and I know like I've learned a ton about nonprofit and being the chair of nonprofit so I guess now I feel like I know exactly what I'm doing but if right. you ask me like right after she passed it's like I'm the chair of a foundation yeah but exactly you yeah. grow into it you learn you read like being a chair written for dummies. Whatever. Right, right. So what what was Chip doing in Central Park that day where he was just chilling? Was he like <laughs> in, there for a business meeting or what was so he doing? He was at this like weird crux in his life where he and Joe, Joe was with him actually because Gabriel, I ended up adding on again and Gabriel popped back through and Joe was there. But um, they announced they were ending Fixer Upper that weekend. So he's like looking for his next thing, okay, which okay. was a marathon. And he was releasing capital gains his book yep um yep but in life it's not like he's like the nicest most genuine human you could ever have in your corner like when gabriel was sick in the hospital he and joe came to the hospital like when any weird anniversary comes up he'll text me something incredibly heartfelt like if and it's just weird like he's a friend. Like I've never looked at him as a celebrity. Right. It's like nice. Cause if he like tweets something about the foundation, $10,000 gets donated in a minute. Cause he has such a big yeah, following, yeah, but yeah. he does everything very genuinely. And you, I don't know many celebrities or any celebrities. He's just a guy that puts his pants on one leg at a time and is a really good dad from what I know and a yeah. really kind human. I think that's what makes him such a good celebrity is yeah. that he is so relatable and the family and their show and everything. It's like, you can connect with them. They're totally. just like the family down the street, you yeah. know, that's, that's super cool. Um, so for the, uh, foundation, you have the like ongoing, the 5k yep. as well. That's in September and, and the September. Yep. Yeah. So is that, uh, that seems like it's a huge race now. Uh, it's it's growing yeah. for sure. Yeah, it, our virtual reach is incredibly impressive, phenomenal. Like, it's the craziest thing was I when you like lose someone or you um, like when Gabriel passed away, it's kind of like this blank, empty. It's like my I entered like this black hole, but every like major publication in the world like she was in the newspaper in india and like melbourne mm-hmm. australia and like all of it you never like would realize or think that would happen right. but that really i think expanded whatever the instagram reach and at the end of the day i think a lot of her mission and a lot of her sayings like our slogan of running on hope or mm-hmm. her quote of like it's okay to struggle it's not okay to give up like those can resonate whether you have a bad day whether you have a rare cancer a non-rare cancer Mm -hmm. depression anxiety just anything going on in your life so we've been very lucky to resonate with a lot of people um i think there's always work to do and i've gotten i don't ever want to like not be a part of it. Like it's a huge part of my life, Yeah, but it is also all consuming. Yep. Like yep. it could be something that's 24 seven. So I've tried to push things on the back burner, but I still want to like really expand and push the voice. Like I think with rabbit, we're going to make like a little rave like Gabe collab based on one of her quotes and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, 
but yeah, the 5K is September 25th. Um, we have a local in-person race. And like our virtual race in the COVID year, we had like well over 2,000 participants. Yeah. And that's the only thing we do that um, goes 100% to adenoid cystic carcinoma, okay. heart cancer. And then we write like $100,000 grants here and there to rare cancer research or institutions doing rare cancer research. And then Brooks has put out apparel and shoes for the foundation where that funds a fellow that's researching rare cancer. Yeah. And like to fund that fellow for a whole year, like she could cure like a leukemia or like, huge. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's all really cool. And there's a million foundations, a million reasons to give money. Just find something you're passionate about or believe in. Or find someone that sells a cool slogan like running on hope. Of course. And of course. Wear a shirt. Of course. There's nothing running on hope to me is like it's not that we're running. It's like your car runs on gas. Like uh, yeah, we're fueled exactly. by hope. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's r- running related, or you can take it as not running right. related as well. No, totally totally. Uh so what is your role then in like the selection of where the funds get allocated to? Do you play a big role in that or is it uh as uh, a chair we vote as a board? Um we do have committees, so I'm not in charge of, but a big part of our like rare cancer research committee. And I think there's four or five of us in there and the committee, when you have money, like you can talk to any hospital, like any, everyone needs money. Of course. Um, So we've done work with like Sloan Kettering. We've done work with university of Minnesota. Like there's a lab there and essentially it's all a work in progress, but what would be ideal is if we got sent these proposals and then our rare cancer research group, which we will also have a scientific board that helps weigh in. Cause not that you want to go for like the lowest hanging, but you want to make the dollars most meaningful or impactful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, we'll pick maybe a grant and be like, this guy's having huge breakthroughs on this rare cancer, like sarcoma research. And then we'll present that to the board and it's like, should we write a hundred thousand dollar grant to this? And then we'll have stipulations. Like we don't want it to go to like hospital overhead fees. We don't want it to go. We want this money to go to like, if it's bench research to bench research, if it's like a clinical trial, it's a clinical trial. So you learn all that stuff when you work with the foundation. Yeah. Your profession certainly helps in you making those decisions. Definitely. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, how about let's do this to close close out a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Uh, so one thing that we always do at the end of Beer Mile Podcast, we review the beer that we're drinking. It, usually, it's my co-host Adam and I were reviewing whatever beer that we have on the table. But to get a guest, let's get a guest involved here. So we have this Mexican lager, and it's spelled like lager, as in you know cutting down trees. Uh, Mexican style lager here. So usually we rate these things on uh, taste. Uh, drinkability, and then whatever your X factor is for this beer. So uh, according to your rabbit profile, you're a self-proclaimed beer expert, which I want to, I want to hear about that too. But for, first, tell me, tell me what you think of this Mexican lager and, you know, compared to other Mexican lagers that you've had as well as just compared to, you know, beers in general. Yeah. In reality, I haven't had a ton of Mexican lagers. I've been drinking a lot more lagers and pilsners recently. Um, Oh, I brought you a beer stat as well. It's up. I didn't want to carry it in here. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Murder Thank you. Me. But um, <laughs> this is very good, very drinkable, very crushable. Um, th- I think the big hip 
beer drinker phrase is like it's crispness as a pilsner and lager. I guess it's probably not the most crisp, but I don't know if Mexican style lager is. And yeah, I haven't, I don't know what the nuances of a Mexican lager are. That's why kind of why I grabbed it. It mm-hmm. tastes a little more, I don't know if it's like almost salty or what it tastes like, but Ska is in Durango. Amanda and I spent a few nights in Durango in the van and had some other stuff there. But I'm really, the only thing I can really dork out on is IPAs and hops. Okay, okay. Um, so I could like, you could probably blindfold me and give me an IPA and I could tell you what hops are in it. Really? I, that's like wow. what I'd nerd out over. That's hilarious because the <laughs> listeners will know like, so Adam and I, when we rate these beers, the one beer type that we typically like, stay away from to some extent is IPAs. And I, I don't, I don't, I think it's just because the hop flavor is not necessarily my favorite. So I stick to more of the lighter IBU stuff, but so it's kind of funny that that's like, that's your expertise field. And and it's (laughs) been like, it's not even, it's like just a nerdiness, like Mm -hmm. super bitter hops. And it took a lot of time to, I guess, tolerate that. And yeah, yeah. Like when you're out like running miles and trails, like definitely a bitter hop that like tries your mouth you're like oh this is delightful after i yeah, just right, sweat right. out five gallons true so this is the perfect pre-post-race beer i'd say <laughs> so is so ipa is that your favorite style of beer would you say yeah uh, in the winter in minnesota um some like barrel-aged stouts but okay those yeah. are so boozy and give you a, the headache that goes along. They're good for it. a few sips. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, it's, I need it's more friends. Cause like, yeah, if I open a bomber of that, it's like, Oh, I drank three ounces. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> so what, uh, if you had to give like your Mount Rushmore, your top four breweries in the country that you've been to, if you can think of, if you think of it yeah. off the top of your head, what would those be? So number one is knotted root. Okay. It's in Netherland, Colorado. Okay. Um, they make phenomenal stuff. They don't distribute much at all, but they're again, so they'll have, they'll have a super crisp lager on, so anyone can drink it, but they really specialize and kind of push the boundaries of like the hazy IPA. But someone, if you like, you don't like bitter hops, you could find like a sweeter hop, or I bet you'd find a profile that's very drinkable. They're, they know Amanda and I by name. I think we brought Rylan there when she was three days old. Oh, wow. Which yeah. she's probably frowned upon. But she's like the brewery baby. She has a onesie and everything. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So they're phenomenal. And it's just a gem because I run up this dirt road and then hop on Magnolia and then I'm there yeah. from our place. Yeah, yeah. Um, second, I got to give, well, I got to say Monkish because that's like Amanda and my first date. They're in Torrance, California. Billy Yang lives like down the street. And they've always been known for making great beer. Um, again, a place that doesn't distribute, so you have to show up there. But uh, locally, Minneapolis, we have two places that I'd say duke it out. One called Barrel Theory and the other one called Blackstack. They both make phenomenal beer. All these places. So again, this is like a nerdism. If you don't distribute, you probably buy higher quality ingredients. And once you distribute you probably downgrade your ingredients a little bit. That so makes like, sense. Yeah. Intuitively. Yeah. 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 So those are probably around my four. There's all sorts of other ones, but um, my pipe dream or maybe sooner dream is to open up a brewery in Boulder here Hell in the next yeah. couple of years. Okay. But Amanda will not allow me to take on more work. Yeah. So you got to drop something. Yeah. <laughs> got to drop trail running. I guess. 
So what do you have like in your mind what the the unique piece of your brewery would be? Because I mean, Colorado is like just you know filled to the brim with breweries. So like, do you do you have in your mind like what's the differentiator for yours? Yeah, I think kind of an inclusive vibe, and then there's the small like side brewery to a bigger brewery in Minnesota that is not for profit. So I think like finding things where. 10% of profits like yeah. in perpetuity go like nine months here, they go to brave, like hey, three months here, they go to like what people come in, like bring into the brewery and not just yeah. so much like a night you drink, like breweries do that all the time. Like right. where you drink tonight and like 10%, exactly. that's like yeah. pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying if you like had profits of like a million dollars a year, like I want to be vesting like hundreds of thousands of dollars in these things. Right. And that's like my backdoor dream of how I just, plug more funds into brave like gabe without like having to try super hard because yeah. fundraising does get old like if for sure my family and friends are so sick of me asking for money <laughs> yeah and and that's why the like like the 5k like events are a good way to do yeah. it because it's it's a natural thing and people don't i it's not like you're begging for money it's like you're getting something yeah. for it too in, in return so the brewery is like a perfect way yep. to do that yeah. yeah and i have two brewers semi headhunted that would be happy to end yeah. up, and they make nine to 10 out of 10 beer, like phenomenal beer. Yeah. I yeah. do think Boulder has a ton of breweries. They have a ton of mediocre breweries. Like I want like this beer stat place. Yeah. They make the best slow pour Pilsner in the world. Like beer at like all the nerd websites tell you that. And like, I'm not a nuanced enough. Like maybe if I grew up in Germany, I'd be able to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I want that to be said about the brewery if I opened one, yeah, like I'm not willing to sell it for mediocre and a lot of breweries are. And I've right. talked to a lot of brewery owners and they're like, the beer sells, like why would I buy better ingredients? Of like course. it would cut yeah. down on my profits. Yeah, of course. But I don't, you need to be profitable, but that's not my reason to get in the game. Yeah. Which it's a different perspective coming in. I like that. I like that. So do, ha, have you done home brewing at all? Small batch stuff yourself or? Just with like friends living in a, Small, small condo in Minneapolis. Uh, yeah, I think if yeah. I had a home brewed with so Gabriel, she would have murdered me. Yeah. <laughs> the hard part, the hard part that I've like, I've, I've thought about home brewing. Yeah. I'm not super seriously, or like getting a keg grater, those kind of things. And I'm just like, oh, but then I'll be drinking every night, and I don't know if that's the best thing to be doing if I'm running. So totally. it, it's just, uh, it's an extra temptation that yeah. I probably don't need in my that's life. That's why but. I work nights, can't drink. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> beer doesn't sound good in the morning. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And how, how about a beer mile? Have you done a beer mile? No, but your time is friggin' impressive. Ugh, I, I, do, do you think you would have a shot at like, how do you, how do you think this, you would stomach the beers? Would you be able to chug beer or not sure? Oh, man. If you like date, I, I think I could. Yeah. But I would just I, I mean, it's something I'd have to train for. Yeah, I yeah. think all the carbonation and bouncing in my stomach, like I think, because like LaCroix or bubbly water is so bubbly, I feel like I'd have to like train with that. Yeah. And I've gotten so much better at chugging that. Yeah, that, yeah. But I, I just don't know if like running like how fast is your quarter? Like what's your... Uh, for for me, like four twelve for the mile, roughly, so yeah. like sixty threes, basically. But like, yeah, when you're so, it's bottle, so th bottle. They're, five they're, second they're like chug. five, five, yeah, five ish, six. So 
yeah, like, oh, I wouldn't touch your time. I wouldn't want to. (laughs) I mean, I'd love to, but I, I think the bottle perspective, I think you get more carbonation that way too. Just because yeah, it bubbles it, up, you know? Like, whereas it, a can, you can... It, yeah, they, they can, at least from my experience, the can is slower to for the fluid to come out. Yeah. But but yeah, the bottle, definitely, you risk, like, when you just turn it vertical, it just makes foam. And yeah. then you, like, risk... A lot of people get DQ'd at the beer mile races because they have too so much, much foam, foam at the, the end. Yeah. yeah, so that's definitely a part of the game, but... Yeah. Yeah, we're we're always, we're always on the hunt for our guests who would be the next uh, big talent for the beer mile and join Team USA. I think it could know? be a mediocre talent. Mediocre talent. Okay, yeah. I mean that's hey, that's still that's still good. I'm so su- I'm surprised you've never done one though. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe it wasn't as big of a thing. I'm old. Yeah, I'm like when I was in college, Not a ton we were doing like me, Edward but Forty Hands or I mean, something I did stupid that like too. <laughs> <laughs> I did that too. But uh, but yeah, Edward Forty Hands and Ice and People, you know, exactly <laughs> common things. Exactly. <laughs> Well, may- maybe you should give it a go sometime, but I don't yeah. know. At least, at least just for, for yeah, the hell of it, no, for fun. I can try it. Uh, last thing that I just remembered I wanted to ask you. So the did Chip and Joanna like pimp out a, a, a van for you guys? And, yeah. Yeah. Give, give us the details on that. Oh, yeah. So there's a show on their new network, Magnolia Network, or Discovery. They switched. They were on Discovery Plus forever. It's on Magnolia Network yeah, now. Yeah. Where they're building out this van. There's also a really cool show on Chip Training for the Marathon called Curd called courage to run but with the silo district marathon the big marathon he puts on um right pre-covid so i kind of got i got the good end of the deal pre-covid chip calls me and he says i want to make silo district the next boston like what do we need to do like you're gonna be our contact for elites and i'm like sure like i know like desland and i know these handful of phenomenal marathoners yep. that could medal at an Olympics or win a Boston marathon and they'd all be happy to do it, but they have to like fit into their schedule and all that. And so I started building this group, but after we got the phone, I'd had this idea for a while since Gabriel passed, not expecting to have a kid and another partner <laughs> yeah, so soon yeah. after, but I was like, just get off the grid, train in this van. Um, disappear for a while so i was like i've had this crazy idea and he's also i knew they wanted content because they have a network coming out yeah that's 24 yeah. 7 of their stuff that's not so i'm like i am gonna buy a sprinter van would you build it out like people are loving this i think people would love a show about it he's like you get the van down to waco we'll build it out and make a show out of it and now they actually chewy van who helped him with the van, they have their own show on the network that's inspired by that van build out, wow. which is really cool. Um, but, and he's so, I mean, Chip and Joanne are so nice. COVID delayed things a little bit, but he's like, the van's ready. Like booked me a flight down cause they're just generous and nice. I drove down, booked me a flight down months later. We're chatting, catching up, do the reveal. And it's, immaculate i mean yeah it's way like they really wanted i kind of gave them a layout but i'm like i'm not a design like you guys are going to do something way better than anything i can even dream up so i let them like kind of do clean slate and they just made this beautiful super livable van now just got to get a baby seat drilled into the back (laughs) you're good to go (laughs) that's so cool yeah van life is one that i've 
th- contemplated, you know, like not, not, I don't know how seriously, but it just seems super cool. And a lot of our listeners too, that like the big name in track and field, Craig Ingalls right now. Huh. And that's his thing is he like buys old RVs, renovates them, sells them. So Dude, it's I'm like, sure it's a crushes. big, it's a hot, it's a hot market right now. Oh, the very hot market. Chewy van. I, he's like probably booked out for 10 years. Uh, yeah. It's, it's nuts. Like, and like to get a sprinter van, they, and now like after COVID it's 10 times worse, but I had to like, it would have been like a six month back order, but I like dropped Chip's name to my like Mercedes dealer and he's like, oh, we'll get you one ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. Which was super nice of him. But he's like, him and his wife watch Chip and Joanne every night. Of course. So I'm like, of course, of course everyone in the world watches them. <laughs> and I'm the idiot that like had no idea. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's like the celebrities next door. They're yeah. just another family doing their thing. So totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks Justin for coming on. Yeah, thanks and, for uh, me. you know, if you, any, anything that you want to leave our listeners with, well, in the description, we'll have links to the brave, like uh, org and for donating, for getting swag, all of that good stuff. Any, anything you want to leave our listeners with or plug? Yeah. I mean, Brave Like Gabe Foundation. I personally think we do really good things. There's a million foundations you can donate to just, or like, and it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can be mm-hmm. retweeting, Instagram sharing, but um, all those things are important. And my biggest thing, I think living through a very perfect and beautiful life and then living through an incredible hardship and now living in a perfect and beautiful life, but after loss, like just if people can, Amanda's tattoo on her leg is relentless forward progress. Like if you can just keep moving forward in life, there's going to be really, really hard spots in the foundation. It all goes hand in hand. Like just don't give up, keep moving and find something you believe in. If it's trail running, if it's beer miling, yeah, if yeah. it's bicycling or riding a horse, whatever, but Find things you enjoy. Life's short and live it the best you can. Perfect advice. We'll be rooting for you in Chamonix. Best of luck. Great. Best of luck tomorrow. I guess by the time the listeners are hearing this, you've already completed the Silverton <laughs> race. But uh, yeah, best of luck in Chamonix and we're rooting for you. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks.